0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Psalms 8-2 in the Passion Translation says, You have built a stronghold by the songs of children. Strength rises up with the chorus of infants. This kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppress you. Childlike worship will shut the mouth of the enemy, amen? And that's why we do what we do, and that is why we are intent on teaching our kids how to worship, how to engage in worship, how to look at worship as a refuge. Um, we're gonna keep uh, the, the high school and the middle school students, you guys are gonna stay in, and um, but if you have... Children that didn't sing, they can go ahead and go back for festivities. I told them, you guys do a really good job practicing. And, um, and they did, and they did a really good job. And then we have some activities for them because they've been working so hard the last few weeks. It's just been crazy. And another, I have one more announcement. If your children are going to be singing on Christmas Eve, because we had some kids that um, couldn't be here today and that they're going to sing on Christmas Eve, and then others that are going to just do both services. So if your children are going to be singing Saturday, this coming Saturday on Christmas Eve, please let our workers know. um, Confirm that in the back, so that way we know how many children. And then there's a little note that you need to pick up afterwards. And then we also have a little gift after service in the foyer for all the kids. And so stop by the table in the foyer for that. Amen? Let's just take a minute. Because I'm telling you what, the presence of God is here. Amen? Amen. Presence of God is here. And it's moments like this. It's moments like this that we need to take note of. And it's moments like this that as parents, you need to take note of that, of these, of these moments, tuck those away in your heart because I'm telling you what, these can be landmark moments—not for you and for your children. They can be landmark moments for you. They can be landmark, landmark moments for them. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Is let me talk about defining moments. Those moments where, sometimes it feels like all of a sudden God just shows up, and other times it's like. You just hear that still small voice. Anything from the, the small, what seeming seemingly small to the giant and the, the defining moments is what I'm going to be talking about today. And I'm telling you what, um, that right there, that right there, pulling down strongholds, that right there, making the enemy shut his mouth, bringing in the presence of God. Did you feel it? Did you feel the anointing? That even though they were like, they didn't really, you know, some of them do. Some of them understand what worship does for them. But a lot of them, it's like, oh, yeah, we like this song. And then let me bring bring some clarification. Let me bring some clarification, okay? When I gave Jason the song list, and he goes, why are you doing Lions? I said they wouldn't perform, they wouldn't come sing unless Lions was on the list. I'm telling you. We have been singing Lions for about nine months. I'm telling you what, that song, and can you see that that is not a bad song for them to get into their spirits, you know? That is a song that they need that later on down in life when they're a teenager and they're wondering if God even (laughs) exists or they're wondering where God was and they're getting ready to make bad decisions in the back of their mind, they're going to hear that. If you're going to fly, you'll fly like eagles. And they'll be going, no, 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 not right now. Some of them, and some of them will run to it as refuge. If we're going to stand, we'll stand as giants. If we're going to walk, we walk as lions. In the boldness and authority that God has given to us. And that's what we're teaching them in children's church. And if you would like to be a part of our team and join in, I'm telling you what, God's doing some great things in our workers as well and we we would we would love to have you in. Hey, how is that for a shameless plug? Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you what. God is so good. I guess I better preach some notes, huh? <laughs> because um January of 2015. You know, we always start the new year as like, okay, God, what what's going on? You know, we want, you know, We don't really make New Year's resolutions, but it's like, okay, let's get back to basics. We're going to go, you know, we're going to take better care of ourselves. We're going to join the gym again and, or go back to the gym. (laughs) Change our eating habits after eating all the sugar and all the, although this Christmas, we've been doing really good with um, monitoring that. But um, 2015, January 2015, I felt the Holy Spirit impress upon me to start journaling. And I said, really? Because for me, it, Feels like homework. Journaling feels like homework. Um, We went and we took a trip uh, when I was, gosh, way, way back in 1982, (laughs) 1981. I was in middle school and um, uh, we took a trip and we spent the entire summer with my aunt and uncle. And my dad says, hey, you have a notebook in there. You should journal your trip. And I'm like, what? Summer vacation. Why are you giving me homework? I'm not going to write anything down. I wish I would have. Go back and tell that young little kid, straighten up, listen to your dad. <laughs> that's right. But in 2015, I really felt the Holy Spirit impress upon me to start journaling. And I was like, oh, really? So I thought, okay, that, that, that's, that could be a good idea. And then I kind of hem-hawed around, well, my birthday is at the end of January, and for my birthday that year, I got three journals given to me. So I said, okay, Holy Spirit, I hear you. But I'm not journaling every day. I'm not journaling every. day. I'm not making the commitment to journal every day. Because I don't know if I can stick with that commitment. And so what I did was I said, I am going to write down just, you know, scriptures, started writing down lots of scriptures, and I'm going to write down just different things that maybe Holy Spirit might impress upon me. Something happens in church, something happens in children's church, you know, at that time we were doing breakthrough and, you know, on a, uh, and, uh, on a weekly basis and whatever, whatever happened there. Let's go ahead and we'll, we'll make notes of that. We'll make those notes, okay? We've got, you know... If God does something, if God does something, I'll just write it down, okay? Little did I know that 2015 was going to be a life-changing year for me. And I'm so glad that I have the notes to record my journey. Because, uh, like I said, that it was a life-changing year. It was the year that I became awakened to who my Heavenly Father was. To who my Abba Father was, you know, all my life, my dad, he had a, uh, an experience, a Holy Spirit it- encounter when I was a child and when I was a little baby and that from then on we were in church every time the doors were open, we were there and um, so I, I grew up in church and I grew up loving God, and I knew I was saved and everything, but my, I was, it was more uh, performance-based as we got into ministry. It's like, okay, this is what we're doing. This is our job. We are performing for, uh, you know, we're doing this, and it's going to be performance-based. You know, that's what it was. We didn't say that, but that's what it was. And you know what? If I, I'm just going to work hard, and, and God's going to bless me at some point in time. And little did I know that that's not really what a relationship with God is about. And it's amazing that I went so many years um, praying, fasting, reading my Bible, teaching, worshiping, and I would have count encounters, I would have moments, but I wouldn't have like a lifestyle, it wasn't a lifestyle. And it was like in 2015, what happened was it was like one day I, I woke up and I was like, God, I want more of you. God, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not happy. I'm not happy where I'm at right now. I'm not happy with my relationship. You know, if you can speak to Moses on the top of a mountain in a cloud and you could bring him in, I want that. I want the cloud. I want to see you, you know. Show me your glory. Stick me in a rock somewhere so I can see your glory. I want pure glory to shine from within me. There's got to be more. There's got to be more because I'm tired. I'm tired of doing church. And he goes, okay. (laughs) And we were at a conference, and this little 20-something girl came up to me at the very, 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 very end of the conference, very end, like 5 o'clock type of thing. And she said, God has a word for you. And he said, you need to get up, and you need to seek him, and he will meet you. You need to get up in the mornings, make time, and he will meet you. And that's when my life changed. And so that's when these significant moments started coming around. These defining moments. These moments that it's like, man, I think I should write that down. And there was a scripture. And that scripture, I would be reading my Bible and there would be a scripture. And then all of a sudden it's like, I, I, I can't go any further. Then I, let me read that again. And let me read that again. And I'm not sure what it means, but I think I need to write that down. And then God would start speaking to me through my journaling. And it was that those moments like that, that that, like I said, it just changed my life. changed rewrote my spiritual DNA. It rewrote my spiritual DNA. And so what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about being intentional in recording these moments. Let's start off with, it wouldn't be December if we didn't talk about Something from Luke 2. So let's go ahead and let's read out of Luke 2 real quick. And um, let's see what God has for us there. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. New Living Translation said, but Mary hid all these words in her heart and she thought about them much. And the NIV says but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. See, Mary didn't think that it was she thought maybe I ought to pay attention to this. Here it comes these because it wasn't her encounter. It was their encounter. But she was like I think I need to pay attention. It was a significant moment for her. It was so significant that she was able to recount it for a biblical historian like Luke many years ago. The fact that an entire host of angels took time out of their day to stop on a hillside and herald the birth of the Messiah to a group of shepherds. And Luke tells us of other moments that Mary had as well. She had an encounter with um, her cousin Elizabeth in Luke 1. And this is where the Holy Spirit inside John the Baptist that was inside his mother's womb bears witness with the Christ child that Mary was carrying. In Luke 2, we also hear of Simon and Anna in the temple. And they both stop Mary and Joseph and declare that their child to be the Messiah. All these moments and many more that Mary was able to tuck away into her heart. One translation says that she meditated often on these words. Little did she know that these moments and others like them would be significant in her future. Moments she would recall and rely on when people started to question who her son was. These were the particular moments that she had hid in her heart to carry her through the sorrow of watching her firstborn go through the torture. Of the cross. And they would undoubtedly ring through her spirit loud and clear when she heard the news of his resurrection. Mary intentionally hid these words in her heart. When we become intentional about inviting God's presence into our everyday moments, we open up doors into our natural realm for God to walk through and show himself faithful in everyday circumstances. These were not just coincidences. It wasn't just a coincidence that that these shepherds all of a sudden show up at the stable and say, hey, an angel told us that your baby is the Messiah. And this is what happened. And they're so excited. And she's like, hmm, I need to remember this. (laughs) I need to think about this. I need to ponder this later. I need to hide this away in my heart. moments that it's like, wow, God's up up to something. God's up to something. And don't think that it was a coincidence that they were shepherds. I don't know how many stories I've heard and how many sermons I've heard preached that it was shepherds, you know, that it was this, oh, God chose the shepherds. Oh, yeah, you guys, like it was a lottery or something. If you read through the Bible, you will know that God has a special place in his heart for shepherds. Think about it. Abel in Genesis. Cain was a farmer. Abel was a shepherd. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, shepherds. When, uh, when Joseph's brothers showed up to, um, plead, you know, to plead their case in front of the prime minister of Egypt, they, what did they say? They said, we are just humble shepherds. We're humble shepherds from a line of humble shepherds. That God chose to have his lineage, to have to have his hand on as his as his nation, eventually as his chosen people. They were shepherds. David was a shepherd. David was a shepherd who broke all the rules. He broke all the rules spiritually, because when you think about it, if you read if you do any any uh, research on David, man he he was able to go in. To the Holy of Holies, he was able to go in and just lay in the presence of God. He said, yeah, you know what? We need to alter some of this stuff that's going on in the temple. I mean, God put that stuff in place. And he says, I think we need to add worship to this. And God goes, okay, let's add worship to this. Because there were other guys, there were other kings that thought that they could do whatever they wanted to in the temple. It didn't work out very well for them. You know, one guy got struck with leprosy. And he couldn't ever go back into the presence of God, you know? But David had that relationship. David had that, that relationship in his heart. David had, uh, you, 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 there's a, I wish, I didn't have time to look it up. And, I, and I'm thinking that it's Psalm 30, but it's one of the Psalms where he says, you know, you, didn't need, you don't need sacrifice. He's talking to God. He goes, you really, do, you don't really want sacrifice. That's not what you really want. You want the hearts of men. That's what you want. Yeah, all the sacrifice and everything that goes on in the temple is important. But at the heart of it, he knew the heart of God. He knew the heart of God without having the Holy Spirit on the planet. That's what's amazing. David had the Holy, something like the Holy Spirit. He had the presence of God with him, without the you know, you understand what I'm saying? We have the Holy Spirit that's been poured out upon this planet. You know, and, and, and we have access to that all the time, whether we know it or not, realize it or not. David, not everybody, people in the Old Testament didn't have that, but David did. David had that special relationship with God as a shepherd. And it was those moments moments of killing a lion and a bear, getting him ready to kill a giant. You know, can you imagine what it was like that first time that he killed a bear? or killed a lion. You know, if you read through that scripture, you say that he, he's, he's telling Saul and he's saying, yeah, every time that a bear would get a, a lamb in their mouth, I just would go and hit him with a club. It's like, what? I did some research on that. I did some um, back in biblical times. The lions and bears are extinct now in Israel, but they were around back there in biblical times. And you know, these bears, the, si- brown, the Siberian brown bear was up to five, 600 pounds. It was a smaller bear. But still, 500, 600 pounds, that's a pretty big bear. And the lions were the same, you know. And for them to, for him to just run over. But yeah, can you imagine that first time he runs over and clubs him? Oh my gosh, I just killed a bear. You know? (laughs) It's interesting. Anyways. But those were moments that David kept track of. Moments when God just would speak to him. Moments when here he is sitting in a cave hiding for his life and Saul walks in. And God says, don't touch him. And he chooses not to kill him. Chooses not to kill the man who would have killed him. If he had seen him, he would have killed him. These are those moments. And so now we find David, fast forward to 1 Samuel, chapter 30, verse 6, where he all his men are against him because they just, you know, the story is that the the, the camp just got raided. And all their women and children and everybody, everything's been carted off. And it says, David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. One one translation says David strengthened himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. What did he do? He retold himself the victories. He retold him. He, he he rehearsed to himself the times that God came through for him. He rehearsed to him time himself the, the psalms that God dropped into his heart, and he said, "This this means something. This still means something, even though all my my friends and everybody that I love are turning on me." Lowest part in his life. One at one of the lowest parts in his life up to this point in time, and it says he found strength in the Lord his God. He found strength, in the Lord is God. We were meant to keep a record of what God does in our lives so that when hard times come, we have a refuge in our Heavenly Father. John 13, uh, 16.33 says, These things I have spoken to, to you that in me you may have peace. In the, world you have tribu- you will ha- in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus says, don't forget. Yeah, you're going to have tribulation. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. And the it rains on the just and the unjust. Everybody goes through the mill. Everybody has sludge in their life. Everybody has hard times. But we have God's presence if we tap into it. If we tap into it. And that's the thing. Is, and that's what this message is about. It's tapping into that. There's been times when, um, when, it's, when God's visited us and it's like, okay, what did that mean? You know, we feel the presence of God. The other day I was watching a TV show. And I was just sitting here, and I was like, it was the series season finale. It was the last one. We're finishing up this this, 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 this show, and it was the last one they were going to make for a little while. And I'm halfway through, and all of a sudden, I just feel the presence of God on me. And I'm like, okay, God, I know you're not anointing this, this show. What is going on here, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Star Wars is anointed. My sister thinks so. so. (laughs) But, um, you know, and I'm like, wow. But sometimes God just wants to show up just to say, hey, I'm here. And so I closed my computer, set it off to the side, and I spent a few minutes just talking to him. And he was, what he was doing is he was helping me with this message and kind of giving me some clarity on this message. Like, okay, instead of watching that, I need to finish this. This is, what, this is what I need to do right now, which I knew. But it was nice for him to just say, come on, let's work on this. It's like, okay. There was one time that we were in, um, we were in a prayer meeting, John and I were in a prayer meeting. We, were, we narrowed it down to 1997. <laughs> a long time ago. Um, we narrowed it down to, it was about 1997, because we were starting the building, this building. We were starting to build this building. We were downtown. And a friend of ours decided that he was going to get a, an intercessory prayer group, to, uh, a prayer, prayer meeting night together. And we said, you know, the only reason why we went is because we were on staff and we were required to go. And so I was like, okay, let's go support our friend and let's go to this prayer meeting and, and, and pray. Yeah, we're going to pray. But you know, at that point in time, our hearts weren't really connected. We were kind of in this mode of, okay, we're we're, we're getting ready to start this building project, and, and things are kind of lining up there, and uh, we don't have time to pray. Okay, we'll go pray, and so just being honest, just being honest. So we were sitting in this prayer meeting, and the room is full, and, and it, it, uh, it was just this nice square room, and chairs all around the outside edge, and everybody was <laughs> around the outside edge sitting in a chair, and just kind of looking, you know, and we were praying, and And as we're praying, you know, we just felt the presence of God come upon both of us like nothing I've ever felt before or since. And I didn't realize that he was feeling it and he didn't realize I was feeling it. And I thought, man, I, I need to, like, kneel down and turn around in my chair and kind of focus a little bit more because, you know, I realized that there was something going on that was not normal. This does not normally happen in a prayer meeting. And so I remember sliding out of my chair kind of like Jello, onto the floor, and I didn't make it to turn around. I just went on my face, and I looked over, and, and uh, John was doing the same. And the only reason I knew that he was doing the same was because we were plastered to the floor with such a presence of God that my head was turned like this, and I couldn't move. So the only reason I knew he was on the floor is because he was sitting right here next to me, and his face was turned the other way. So that's why he didn't even know that I was going through this with him. And we were like, I'm telling you what, nailed like there was a big, or huge concrete block sitting on top of us. And yeah, and we're laying there and I'm like going, okay, I'm dying now. Because God is going to squish everything out of me. And I kind of wish he would have squished a little bit more out of me. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, both physically, no, <laughs> but spiritually. It's like, shh, get some of that garbage out of there. Squish some of that garbage out of there. But we're laying on the floor, and I don't know. It, of course, you know, you have these encounters, and you feel like they're only like two minutes long, and it was probably longer than that. And we, as we were comparing notes, as we were talking about it later on and finding out that this, I knew it was happening to him, and I'm like, we were driving home. I'm like, what in the world was that about? And he's like, oh, did you feel that too? I said, yeah. And so as we're talking about it at home or, you know, on the way home, um, He said, I felt it lift, and in his heart, he cried, God, don't go. Don't don't let this end. We want to stay here. This is where we want to stay. And I'm telling you what, what we would give to go back to that moment, you know, is that we've lived our lives to go back to that moment and more. And I'm, t- and, um, it was one of those moments. And we were like, God, what? What did that mean? And at that point in time, we really didn't know how to pursue that. We didn't know how to, we didn't know what to do with it. But what it ended up being is that it ended up being a moment that would carry us through That would give us the confidence to know that God is with us. That give us the confidence to know that God is moving in our hearts and in our spirits and in our lives, and that because I'm because building this building was hard, building this building we had to we we chose to give up our salary for a long time, and uh, just live off of faith. And I'm telling you what, it's easy to say you're going to do that, but when you start doing that. It can be it can be hard at at times, and we would go back to that moment where it's like, okay, God, you are doing something that you are doing something in our lives that that means something, and we didn't know how to put words to it, but in our spirits, we knew, we knew that God, that God was taking us somewhere, and it carried us through, it carried us through into through the more difficult times. Um. One moment that I had during that time of where we were building is that we didn't have any money for groceries. There was a lot of times we didn't have money for groceries. And I remember one Sunday morning just standing in the shower going, you know what, God, your word says, your word says that if I pay my tithes, that you will open up the windows of heaven and that you will pour out a blessing. And Father God, I'm not looking for a million dollars. I'm just, I just want to feed my children. I just want to go grocery shopping. I just want to, you know, I, 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 need, I need your help today. And so we went to church that morning. And as we're coming, as we are leaving, somebody stops John and hands him an envelope and says, go feed your kids. They said, go grocery shopping. And he opened up the envelope. That day, he opened up the envelope. There was almost $200 in there to go grocery shopping. And I'm telling you what. It was like, I just started crying. John goes, here, somebody handed this to me. And he was like, oh, great, thanks. You know, not knowing what my heart was saying that morning, he handed it to me and I just broke. Because God knows our hearts. It was just a couple weeks after that that we had a couple in our church that knocked on our door and unloaded the trunk of their car into our kitchen and filled our pantry. And so it's like, okay, God, you, you, you know how to take care of us. You know how to take care of us. He, he reset our house payment. I mean, reset it. We were going, because we couldn't afford our house payment. And we had a farm home loan. And so our, not like our house payment was all that much, but we still couldn't afford it. And we, find, we, know, we thought we were heading into, we got a letter. And John goes, okay, this is the foreclosure letter on our house. We're going to lose our house. And we opened up the letter, and they said, we're resetting everybody's loan. You start over again. When does that happen? How does that happen? (laughs) And we were like uh, looking at each other. It's those moments that carry you through. It's those moments that minister to your heart to know, okay, God, you are aware of our situation. Oh, I just wanted to tell stories today. <laughs> it's these testimonies, yes, it's these testimonies that ca- that help to spur everybody else's faith as well. I want to tell a story about our brother Chuck. He does the words for us. And um, he does a great job. And I'm telling you what, today he was... The, I, it was a tall order today, <laughs> and I appreciate all the efforts that those guys make so much. But um, he was telling me a story last week. He pulled me aside, and he said, I wanted to tell you the story, and I asked him if I could use it. And um, he said, I want to tell you a story, and he's a letter carrier. He works for the post office, and they've been working long, long hours because Christmas season. And he said, I was at it on my route and he just was so tired. He was so tired. And, and he wasn't finished. And he was just like wondering how in the world was he going to be able to finish. And God, uh, he said he remembered the messages that John has preached lately. And he said what, what he started doing is he took a minute just right there in his mail truck, his vehicle. And he started thanking God. And he just started thanking God for for moving in his life. He started thanking God for the blessings in his life. He just stopped and he just started giving out this this sacrifice of praise right there on the side of the road, the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. And he said, God, I thank you. And, and, And he just started worshiping. And he said that he felt something physically happen in his chest. And he felt this power. He felt the power of the Holy Spirit come upon him. And he said, by the time he hit the end of the street, not only did he have the energy to finish his route, he says, but I could have done my entire route over again because of what God was doing inside his heart and what God had just given him the strength to do, you know, to just, to just do his job. And that's what we're talking about. I'm talking about those moments in our lives When it's, you know, it's not about just coming to church and saying, yes, God's good. And then we go to work. Now we got to go to work tomorrow. And, you know, those of us, those of us teachers and my teacher friends, um, you know, we got two and a half more days of school. (laughs) Oh, Lord, we need strength. We need strength because the kids are done, especially high school kids. They know how they know what the calendar means. The littler ones, you may be able to, you know, the bigger ones, yeah. No, two and a half more days. Two and a half more days. So, you know, but it's like in those days that I wake up and I say, God, I need strength. God, I need your grace. God, I need your mercy. You know what, God? The other day I needed a warm-up question for my biology class. And, and, and I needed something that was going to tie into the lesson. And I, as I'm driving to school, I said, God, I, just, I need a warm-up. And so I just kind of said it like that, pulled in my parking spot, go to my classroom, and open up my computer, and I'm just, and all of a sudden, he just drops it in my heart. I go, oh, that's a good one. Okay. There we go. And he does stuff like that if we're listening. He does stuff like that if we're aware. He wants to be that much involved in our lives. He wants that much to be he wants that much uh, I don't want to say attention but that's how he wants to be involved to where we're not we don't we weren't meant to walk this life alone we weren't meant to do life without him or just meeting with him once a week or once a month or however long it is he wants to be in our lives every single day It's moments like these where the testimony of God's goodness gives us strength and carries us through, but we have to let him into our situations. It requires full surrender and acknowledgement that we can't do life alone and understanding that his grace is enough for every situation. His grace is enough. His grace is sufficient. If Paul can say in sitting in a prison, you know, malnourished and, you know, All that and change. And if he can say, God's grace is enough for me today, we can say it. Sitting in our comfortable house in the United States. Say, God's grace is enough. God's grace is enough. God's grace is enough for me today. So I want to take a little bit of, I want to kind of take a a little bit of a turn here. And let's talk about, um, let's talk about what he wants to do next year in in 2023. As I was reading through, I read through the Bible this year. I read through the entire Bible. Monumental moment in my life. I have read probably every chapter, every book of the Bible at some point in time or another, but never have I sat down and read Genesis to Revelation. This year, God had grace. It was the grace of God, I'm telling you. It was the grace of God because I get sidetracked. You can't tell, but I get sidetracked and go on little bunny trails, <laughs> reading my Bible, go, oh, what does that mean? Oh, let's do a word study. Oh, you know. And so, so anyways, I read through the entire Bible and I just saw God revealed in so much. You know, John goes, what about the begats? Yeah, I, I found him in the begats. Wow, that was really cool. We'll talk about that later. That's another sermon. But today I want to focus on Ezekiel. And in the book of Ezekiel, chapters 40 through 47, God gives Ezekiel this amazing, lengthy vision. But at the beginning of, the, of the chapter 40 of, of, in Ezekiel, he says these words. He says, look carefully and listen closely and pay attention to everything that I am going to show you. And that's what I feel like he's talking, telling us for next year, that he's telling this body, he's telling the corporate church to look carefully, listen closely, and pay attention to everything that I'm going to show you. A few months ago, a couple months ago, I had a dream, and I dream all the time, and they're all like, you know, just all this, God, all this stuff. I'm like, Holy Spirit, please help me to sort through my dreams. And if you're trying to speak to me something, you know, well, on this particular dream, I knew it was from God because it was so crystal clear. And there was a bunch of people there, our family, usually it's our family, church family, maybe school people, you know, things like that, people like that. Somebody shows up, it's like, oh, what are you doing here? Okay, I think I need to pray for them. But um, but what happened in this dream is that I significantly remember that my son-in-law, Alex, he made this statement. He said, 2023 is going to be off the hook. He says, it's going to be better than five years ago. And so I woke up, wrote it down, and then I immediately went back into my journals, journals, plural, because I've been keeping track And I said, okay, 2023 minus five, what was happening that year? And I pulled my journals out, and that was the year. We had a couple of different things. There was lots of great things that were happening at that point in time, and he was speaking to us and speaking to me and speaking to the church, and things were happening in the church. But a couple of significant things happened. One was that on a Sunday morning, a random Sunday morning, and some of you will probably remember, I was sitting over here on this side of the church, and on this side of the church, there was this big commotion. And John was preaching, and he turned over, he goes, Is everything okay? And someone says, She's having a stroke. And remember that? And. She here here there's this a sister in our church was having a stroke. And so Tim Grenier is a paramedic. Tim, wave your hand. Yay. And he's like, what are you doing? He was in the back and he's a paramedic and he immediately started doing his paramedic thing. And he made a beeline to her and, and he's, you know, he's doing what, what he needed to be doing. Her family called the called the, you know, emergency nine one one and all that. And John said, Let's stop and let's pray. And everybody reached their hands towards her, and we prayed. And she started to recover. She, she started to recover to the point where when the ambulance got here, she goes, I don't want to go. She goes, I'm better. And her family was like, no, you need to go get checked out. So, and, and, um, sh- so, she, um, so she goes to the hospital. They get checked out. By the time she sees the doctor, the doctors look at her and said, you didn't have a stroke. You're lying. You didn't have a stroke. There was nothing. No, there were no residual, there was no residual evidence that she had ever had a stroke that day. But you asked Tim, and Tim said, She is having a stroke. He was right there. And her family knew she was having a stroke because it wasn't her first one. And God healed her right there in our service. That's what was happening five years ago. Five years ago, I was standing in the foyer. And our lovely sister, Irma, came to me and she said, Kathy, I've been diagnosed with cancer. And I said, okay. And she goes, you need to pray for me. And I go, you know, we have this ministry team that will agree with you and they believe God. And she says, no, God says you need to pray for me. And I said, okay, my prayers are just as good as theirs. Okay, let's go. Standing back there in the foyer And I laid hands on her, and we prayed a prayer of faith. She came back a few weeks later, cancer-free. Cancer-free. And she's here today. (laughs) Still, still cancer-free. Now, if those things happened five years ago, what does God have in store for us? What does God have in store for your lives? Where were you five years ago? Maybe up, maybe down, doesn't matter. 2023, it's going to be off the hook. It's going to be off the hook. It's going to be a defining year for us individually and us as a congregation. But there's one thing we need to do. Put that scripture back up, please. The Ezekiel scripture. There's one thing we need to do. We need to pay attention. Look closely, look carefully, listen closely, and pay attention. And what does that look like? That looks like us coming into services, hoping, praying, expecting God to interrupt our lives. That's us coming, getting up every day and saying, God, what are you going to do today? Let's look, opening up the Bible and saying, Lord, speak to me today. God, what do you have? What scriptures do you have for me today? You know, it's going through life and looking at our situations and saying, God, I can't do this on my own, but I know that with you all things are possible. That your grace is enough. That your grace is sufficient. And I give you total control of my life. And that's the hard thing to do. I turn my heart over to you. I turn my will over to you. If Jesus could do it when it came to the cross and say, not my will, but yours, what other situation is worse than that? What other situation in our lives than saying, God, not my will, but your will? And turning it over to him and understanding that he is a good father and that he will not leave us nor forsake us and that whatever he requires from us and whatever he wants us to do, he will walk with us, carry us through our situations, good, bad, whatever it is, if we open up our hearts, if we open up our spirits, if we allow him full access to our lives, I'm telling you what, you will, your life will not be the same. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Be ready to watch for God move significantly in our lives. Start journaling. If you, haven't, if you don't journal, start journaling and writing things down. Look for God in our everyday life. And be watchful and anticipate seeing his manifest presence in our lives and in our services. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You guys can go ahead. I didn't call Jason down. I told they go, When do we leave? I said, When? I called Jason in. I keep forgetting to call Jason. Let's go ahead and let's bow our heads for a minute. Hallelujah. Jesus, we just glorify your name. We just glorify your name. And maybe you have an issue right now. Maybe you have a problem. Maybe you have something that is astronomical in your life that you do not know what to do about. We've tried in our own flesh. We've tried by the arm of the flesh to try to take care of this, and and we're just not succeeding. And God is saying, turn it over to me. God is saying, turn that situation over to me. Turn that family member over to me. Turn your finances, turn your stress, whatever it is, turn it over to me. And fully release it. Fully release it. Fully release it. I'm going to pray over you today. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus. God, I just release right now. I release your comfort. I release your confidence. God, awaken inside of our hearts. Awaken inside of our hearts a hunger for more of you. Awaken inside of our hearts in anticipation to see you moving in our lives. God, give us an awareness. I pray, God, for an extra measure. I pray for the manifest presence, your manifest presence, that we would feel you in our lives on a daily basis, Lord God. Father God, I pray encounters upon people right now in Jesus' name. I just speak that out right now, and I thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah that we, as we look towards 2023, that no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what is going on in our nation, no matter what is going on in our city and in our personal lives, God, we know that you are in control and we turn our will and our, our lives over to you, Lord God. Hallelujah. I speak hope right now. I speak hope to a hopeless situation. I speak life to, to, to situations and to, and to circumstances that may seem dead. I speak clarity. I speak clarity where there's confusion right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And if you don't know him on a personal basis, on a personal level, you don't know him, maybe you thought Maybe you, would like, you thought you knew him or you want to know him even deeper, you want that deeper relationship, then when we're done, you need to come up and let someone pray with you. Let someone pray with you, agree with you in prayer. <sighs> Hallelujah, for breakthrough, for an encounter. Hallelujah, that we would not be satisfied where we are today, that we would not be satisfied with the status quo. But until we breathe our last breath, Lord God, that we continue to seek after you, that we continue to search after you, Lord God. Hallelujah. I thank you, God, for what you're doing and what you have planned for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that the God who gives hope will fill you with much joy and peace as you trust in him. And then you will have more and more hope And it will flow out of you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let our hope be contagious. Let our hope be contagious. Hallelujah. We give this all to you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. I forgot to have Jay come up and play piano, but whatever. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. I don't do this every week. Um, Thanks for coming. We want to remind you of our Christmas Eve service um, on Saturday and our Christmas morning services and everything that's online. We want to wish all of you a Merry Christmas, and you guys have a good week. Amen. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.